Hello and welcome back to another great episode of Good Omens, Season 2, Episode 3, I Know Where I'm Going, directed by Douglas McKinnon, uh, written by Neil Gaiman and John Fenimore. I gave this episode a 9.7 out of 10. You know I love when they give us flashbacks in time, seeing the progression of Crowley and Aziraphale's relationship, the things that they both have to come into conflict with. And it's set around a topic that is fascinating because it very much was a religiously condemned part of our history that massively benefited the human species overall and yet the catholic church condemned people to death for the practice in itself so getting a little bit of educational background through the artistic storytelling i thought was phenomenal before we jump into the recap, wherever you listen to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, go down to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. If you want to send feedback, blackercouch at gmail.com. We begin the episode with Gabriel, who has a mug saying Jim. That's adorable. Nina is getting blown up with texts from Lindsay who seems to be a real charmer. Her customer tries to tell her to dump the nightmare of a girlfriend before chuckling at the sight of Muriel coming down the street, but Nina is in a foul mood. I don't know you, and I don't care to know you. Once again surprised by the guest at his doorstep with Muriel imitating something out of a novel from three centuries back, indicating that she is here to monitor for heaven under the guise of a human police officer the first thing about being a human is not announcing it to everyone when azarafel gives her a cup of tea and gives an example of how to drink it she is visibly disgusted and there is a touch of pity from Azarafel, considering his first response to drinking something was relatable. Muriel being out of her element I thought was adorable, especially when she was like, hello, 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 when given the, the tea, but she's told it's something a human officer would do. And it's that easy to get her to do what you want to do because she's trying to be more like a human officer. So she's taking Azarafel's word on exactly what a human would do. She'd rather look at her cup or tea <laughs> instead of cup or tea. When Crowley busts in removing his things from the car, all his plants... It seems Crowley suffered more due to their actions from last season, whereas Azarafel is only slightly ostracized, but not cast down. That's intriguing. Crowley is surprised by their guest calling her a constable, though she is portraying an inspector, but not dressed 
as such. Well, that's because Inspector Constable is my name. That chuckle from Crowley sitting next to Zarafel on that chair. That is a wickedly charmed sound. <laughs> and I thought for one moment, can they adopt her? Muriel readily admits it's her first time to Earth and it's amazing before backtracking, realizing what she said, failing to disguise her true identity as an angel. So he turns to Zarephel and says a word angel in private. I love that he calls him angel. Muriel points out that she is supposed to absorb them to Zarephel because they're talking in code. But he assures her that they'll just tell her everything they discussed. Liar, liar, whore, liar, whore, and you know it. Face lie with such a smile, and then the following conversation that happens is another intriguing pen I want to keep track of. Crowley wonders how Heaven has managed to stay in charge so long with such blatant naivete. And Azarefa isn't sure why either. <laughs> or how uh, in that case. But does inform him Jim is upstairs as he told him the bookshop is closed on Wednesdays instead of the preferable motto of We Wear Pink. And that the angel is here to verify their 25th Lazarus miracle that they performed the 25 being the number of times the miracle could have brought someone back from the dead that's uh quite quite a scale they may be found out but Crowley has a plan to get Nina to do the love thing with Maggie he says okay good let me get your keys don't you want to hear my plan or go by train (laughs) Muriel interrupts so Crowley effortlessly. Yes, I said that word exactly the way I meant to. Takes charge, manipulating Muriel easily into allowing them a few days to show proof of said miracle, being that of love between humans. Why is Zarepo over there drooling and staring at Crowley like his naughtiness and dominating manner turns him on? You got that yummy, yum, that yummy, yum, that yummy, yummy. Yeah, you got that yummy, yum, that yummy, yum, that yummy, yummy. For those car keys. Muriel has no tech. She really went in Nina's shop and said, I have some questions about your love life. Get the fuck out of my house. November 1987 to the journals of AZ Fell, volume 603, that is a prolific journal writer, but it sounds something that Azarafel would do. Does he still have these journals? Because if there's ever a trial, this is some very tangible evidence with all of the tea. Crowley and Azarafel both happen to be in Edinburgh. Don't they say that a different way, Edinburgh? I don't, I don't know how to say it how they probably would say it 
and by this time is using the last name of Fell. And then I had a thought, could he be using the last name Fell for the action in which Curly did? Curly Fell. Mr. Fell. Oh my God! Wow! Oh Maybe my God. a graveyard because he wants to show him a statue of the Archangel Gabriel because it's amusing. It is an uncanny accuracy likeness, which maybe Gabriel came to Earth and revealed himself. Well, actually, we know he did because he did to uh, <laughs> uh, the two, the, the shepherd from last episode. Don't ask me his name. I am not... I cannot quote the Bible at all. I know some facts here and there. That's about it. They see a girl body snatching and it's cool. We get to see what temptation kind of looks like from both sides of it. Curly is down to help her do some body snatching because why not? Whereas Azarafel thinks it's wrong and sets out to change her mind. He thinks she can simply choose another profession, be a farmer, (laughs) go work in a shop, but she sees the body as something of no use anymore to anyone and worth money to a surgeon to help support her and we morag in the piss alley they have to call home. Azarafel isn't impressed despite showing her showing true compassion and sacrifice by offering her food to her friend instead of consuming it herself her friend though tells her that she will burn in hell for doing what she's doing to keep them both alive holding on to that morality in the face of survival which can seem a little irrational however this is something that Azarafel applauds. Curly can see the wicked necessity in what Elspeth is doing because why should she have to continue to suffer with the suffering meant to be the basis for a choice between good and evil? Azarafel feels firmly on the side of good and doesn't account for necessity and is thinking anyone that operates outside of those very black and white guidelines are considered evil is it really evil to disagree should it be considered evil to disagree obviously we know no (laughs) it shouldn't be and yet we continue to operate under that a mandate and make a lot of decisions regarding government using that doctrine which is very very unfortunate because it it uh it certainly hasn't made anything better <laughs> he also points out that Zarephel's indoctrined nonsensical philosophy which is Christian morality 
seems to make the poorer be the one with more opportunities to be good and the richer less opportunities to be good so instead of making everyone equal this is the plan seems cruelly unfair Crowley responds it's lunacy to which he replies it's ineffable Bullshit. gets an interrupted radio call from Crowley who can sense that not only is he driving at 30 miles per hour and eating traveling sweets but has turned his Bentley yellow it's like I could have dealt with the traveling sweets I could have dealt even with you playing classical music but I will not allow for you to make my Bentley a canary change it back but it's pretty Crowley threatens if he doesn't change it back and drive fast he will start selling people books hell he might even start giving them away for free so he does what he is told was that supposed to be the Loch Ness monster because they were going to Scotland (laughs) in hell Lord Beelzebub asks for word of Gabriel but there has been none in the past his underlings over talking would get his tongue ripped out or have him be sent to the dung pits which is considered the worst but today she doesn't care back in the bookshop gabriel is trying to figure out why books drop crowley explains his gravity which pulls objects down He says, why? I don't remember. It seemed like a good idea when we talked about it before tossing a stack of books. He probably was a good, thinking was a good idea to carry around. Like, I'm not a housekeeper. What am I doing? The fly is still unaddressed. And still is Curly's plan to get Nina and Maggie under an awning to look deeply into each other's eyes until (laughs) boom. He recalls he hasn't done weather in ages, which leads back to our flashback. Azarafel intends to thwart Elspeth's dastardly, monsterly plan. That comes back up a little later as she referenced herself as a monster, something Azarafel very casually called her, before even really getting to know her, just based on a disagreement of values. They meet the surgeon who pompously doesn't want to be called a doctor, which later Crowley mocks after telling him washing his hands isn't lunacy, even though a man or the man who proposed its scientific method (laughs) or proposed it using the scientific method, meaning he tried it out and got results and showed, hey, if we wash our hands around all these pregnant women, yeah, there's less disease less dying you're like you're out of your mind so he died ostracized and in a mental institution i know his name's not john snow because that's the guy with the well that figured out how cholera is spread or something like that but yeah his name has been mentioned previously they actually went into deeply into an episode on an episode of midnight mass 
Azarafel uses a miracle to make the body unsellable in what can only be described as a bitch move before getting Crowley to assist having the surgeon discuss his work with them over whiskey so that he can convince the doctor to stop taking bodies so Elspeth can no longer sell a person cutting the the snake off of the body see how far morality can actually do harm it's almost a vindictiveness at this point it's here that Azarafel's actions are put into perspective a perspective he couldn't see when the surgeon isn't thrilled about buying dead bodies any more than he is but needs to be able to teach anatomy to his students so that they can stop doing things like leaching prescribing arsenic or drilling holes into people's heads to you know actually that one's not as bad just the way they were doing it and thinking that the body is all about balancing the five humors and with a true understanding of how the human body works we will actually be able to save people instead of the really terrible record we have of doing that and since everyone isn't a raving murderer who they are allowed to dig up or use for scientific purposes it's harder to procure specimens he's also faced with the realization that the poor take all the risks like elspeth and face death while the the more wealthier man gets to stand behind his altruistic viewpoint under the veil of upstanding citizenship doing things to save lives while it's true his hands aren't as dirty they're not clean but he isn't nearly or as quickly condemned or it's some people weren't <laughs> it's just in the case of burke and Hare, who started murdering people but only they were hanged for their crimes instead of the man who clearly realized these fresh corpses that he was buying didn't die of natural causes. <laughs> he never faced the same scrutiny or murder charges. Still, the act of procuring cadavers for the price of a moral outrage shouldn't be a sin, which is the point. Which it wasn't considered before Azarafel made his move and he emphasizes it when he shows them something that neither person can identify and he says yeah well you two got good doctors don't know what the fuck that is it's a tumor we removed it from a seven-year-old boy and he didn't live because we had no idea what we were looking at while he finds the task beneath him there is a chance he too could suffer for his endeavor so it's not as if there are no consequences he simply <laughs> holds himself to a different level of accountability scotland was where medicine definitely was being taught but i kind of feel like the uk were behind in the medicinal department i feel like africa india and china had definitely definitely not gone down the track record they did in <laughs> in studying the human body they definitely allowed religion to interfere in 
scientific exploration. Presently, Aziraphale gets to the resurrection bar where he pretends to be a newsman. And I'm like, from what? Dick Tracy comics of 1925. Walking around with a detective coat and a briefcase. Give me the lowdown. He asked the bartender if he recalls gabriel which he does and that the jukebox started repeating the song from a year ago or since a year ago i'm clearly not sober he picks up a flyer for the resurrectionist and is that etienne <laughs> I laughed about that too long. <laughs> it's the surging guy. But I swear the first and second time I saw that that person, I was like, it's <laughs> Why is that cheering in this? It's a guest appearance. Back to the night in question, we Marag still doesn't think it's right fearing the consequences of digging up another body despite the benefit but we'll agree to help her pal out because that's what pals do which is once again applauded by crowley who or azarafel who has decided to help them not admitting he's wrong at first but now he can morally justify doing the helping with Carly pointing out heaven isn't necessarily all it's cracked up to be. And even Azarafel knows that humans' perception of heaven is flawed. Despite not wanting his help, Azarafel decides he's doing it. Inspecting the graveyard for booby traps the rich put around their graves to protect from grave robbers, while the poor once again are given the least protection even in death. Spooked by the sight of a priest, when they open the coffin, Marag falls and trips over one of the booby traps, which is attached to a gun that before Xerophile thought was clever. This alerts the guards, and though they get away into a mausoleum with the help of Xerophile and Crowley, who overdoes it with the hole. <laughs> injured passes away and i'm glad there wasn't like a speech or anything because that shit don't really happen <laughs> it's too late and despite even azarafel admitting that it's his fault and that he's willing to break the rules to heal her there's nothing they can do azarafel is appalled when he realized that elspeth intends to sell morag because if one is going to stand behind their morals why wouldn't they or behind their thought process that hey 
a dead body is a benefit to me why wouldn't she do it and it it's the conflict right of yeah we see one side of the argument from the doctors and it's of course the one we most because it's about doing the less i don't want to say evil but the less harm versus more harm and in the grand scheme of things it's not to say what she's doing is completely harmless but it is less harmful to what can be accomplished from it and sadly it's religion that got in the way of making the public allowed to make these informed consensual decisions which now we do but it is different when it's someone you know that's being dug up that person was someone's child maybe they don't want to see them chopped up for science and that is a right despite elspeth's cold action she feels guilty for what has happened covering her deceased friend and stealing laudanum and how much good the surgeon is morally corrupt how much the good surgeon i mean is morally corrupt because he still takes advantage of the poor's desperation paying her five pounds instead of the going rate of seven or eight and also assuming the worst of her as a person because she's poor saying you're going to use this to buy gin instead of i don't know wanting a roof over her head or some food in her stomach because this is the life she clearly wanted to do humans in the end can be complicatedly flawed for better and worse she intends to kill herself though once they toast Marag back at the mausoleum where she died because despite her tough exterior losing the one good friend she had was worth more than all the comfort in the world especially when she feels she's the one that led them to their fate Crowley downs the bottle of laudanum and becomes instantaneously drunk no dying enough dying the little dance i watched that an embarrassing number of times he tells angel to convince her that life was worth living and all that ineffable bullshit that she was trying to put out earlier to justify how she got to the place that where she was going and while she doesn't concur because she's filled with self-loathing calling herself a monster like think of all the the how bad looking down on her for her decisions for her life for a lot of choices that really weren't choices and it has led her to enough self-hatred that she's willing to kill herself and while Azarafel is stuck because of course he can't come up with a reason of why she should live Crowley is drunkenly convincing as he turns himself small then into a giant before telling elspeth that killing herself is not on (laughs) and if she does she'll suffer or die just like her friend and that we can actually do something to help that which is 
give her the fucking money in your coat if you aren't poor starving destitute desperately bankrupt or morally bankrupt then you have more of a chance of leading a good life implement a plan to alleviate suffering so that there is a greater chance of criminal activity not being the go-to because i kind of think most people just wouldn't naturally turn to crime in a lot of cases because you see some of the crimes they're they're not all for murder you would think no more people in crime for like robberies and shit and selling drugs than murdering Aziraphale considers his actions kind despite Crowley blaming it on the laudanum and being out of his mind and is concerned that he'll get into trouble for it though Crowley doesn't think he'll be caught considering all the things he's done before until he falls into the ground and Aziraphale's like yeah well I didn't see Crowley for quite some time and I'm like damn (laughs) that's all you gotta say after that sacrifice that's a theme I feel Crowley continues to pay for his kindness, whereas Aziraphale has managed to stay protected from his own corrupt deeds. Presently, Aziraphale is back at the Gabriel statue when two goons approach, thinking they all tough. When they don't take to being asked kindly for the phone, he forces them to hand it over, or one of them. Who admits that he uses it for Twitter and Grinder before literally shooing them away? He asks it to call the phone on his desk. Back at the bookshop, tossing another batch of books, Curly answers the phone. Fell's bookshop we probably don't have what you're looking for but even if we do we won't sell it to you. Zerifo skipped all over that with I've got some clues and after he gives him what he found out he says good job and he's all like really? Because I really like this. When he recalled the doctor he was being so petty saying yeah I remember him but he was a mister. <laughs> he left Edinburgh, Edinburgh in disgrace, then killed himself. But they named a pub after him. His reactions were hilarious. Aw. Aw. Mm. Humans, don't get too attached, says the two that saved the entire human race from extinction. Get out of here. After being reassured he hasn't sold not one book, he shares that Gabriel was with someone all that drama for some basic ass information but Crowley has to go because awning of a new age and all this bitch titled the manuscript maggie approaches nina wanting to talk because she's upset and acting like it's nina's or maggie's fault Lindsay is blaming nina for having an affair when they were locked in together which is unfair they get under the awning because Crowley really goes to town on the weather he is so geek because he thinks it's about to go down especially when nina says she isn't maggie's type and maggie replies with you have no idea this revelation however is interrupted by the awning tearing and drenching them both 
Gabriel and was you failed. looking all depressed, but as soon as he realized that something was up, he's like, "Do we get the vavoom?" <laughs> he perks up to life when Crowley drops the word Tempest. It seems to revive Gabriel, who unleashes a prophecy of there will be a tempest and darkness and great storms and the dead will leave their graves and walk the earth once more. I love go on. There also be great lamentations and each day it's getting closer and it's getting close together and it's getting close together and it's getting close together. It's a storm. Shaq shows up to accuse Crowley of knowing Gabriel is in the bookshop and if he won't allow her over the threshold because you know vampire rules with an invite Beezlebub and all of hell will declare war on Aziraphale. He becomes angry at Gabriel for all the trouble that he is causing and threatens if any harm comes to Aziraphale he will no tape around his body because it probably would have caused Gabriel to run out of the shop screaming. <laughs> but he does end the episode with doesn't matter now because it's too late. It's always too late. And that reminds me of the moment where we Morag died and him telling Aziraphale that. So that is something he's concerned about. And it shows that his emotional ties to Aziraphale, which we already know, run very deep. But he doesn't even care that they would come after him. He's willing to take all of the risk. He's willing to be the Elspeth of it all. And kind of doesn't even allow himself to be considered kind or a good person because there's a lot of self I don't know if one would say loathing, but certainly self-insecurity around. Like, I think he knows the whole thing is bullshit. But he is looked down a little bit in the eyes of his friends for the fact that he is a demon and works for hell. Despite all of the other things that. That showcase him as a good person. So I love how the background story really paralleled with our current characters and even their characteristics in a very relatable, very uh, perfect time, really, to put that setting or that story into that setting. Once again, I I think I kind of want to give this episode a 10 out of 10, though. I said 9 out of 7. I think I'm going to, after... Going through the recap once again. I, I, I think this episode is perfect. So we're going to give it a 10 out of 10. 
If you want to send your thoughts on what I have discussed for the next episode, blackaircouch at gmail.com. You can also leave a comment below. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, black or magic. Hustling, 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 hustling.